This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 69. Today on our show, Tom Gilliter, the play-by-play voice of FC Cincinnati. I did football. He goes, but here's the catch. Of course, there's always a catch, right? He goes, you're losing the M and the Y on your name. I was like, what do you mean I'm losing the M and the Y? He's like, because I would go by Tommy Gilliter on the air. Yeah. He's like, you're going by Tom Gilliter on the air. And he had this printout of all the famous Toms in broadcasting, Tom Brenneman, of course, and then many others. And he goes, nobody goes by Tommy, so you're not going by Tommy. Since he was a kid, Tom wanted to do play-by-play. He even went to summer camp for it when he was 12 years old. We found out who influenced him, the twists and turns that brought him to where he is today, and the rise of soccer in the U.S., and also why he was pulled from a game by ESPN and more. Be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to Tommy G. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from the I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Tommy G's with us today. What's up, man? Good to be here. Uh, big fans of Cincy Shirts Aww. and... Uh, been on the Cincy Shirts bandwagon since day one, you so uh, thrilled to be here. Now, how you and I met through Mo, right? That was how you and I first uh, met. Yes. Uh, are we allowed to say that publicly? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do we yeah. want to publicize that? Mo, Mo Eggers, Eggers, a friend yes. of the show. Friend of the of show. Yep. Um, I think the first time I met you was at the uh, Silver Spring House. Like, we Probably. all went to dinner. And uh, and you were introduced to me as the guy who runs GoBearCats.com. Is yeah. that right? Was that, that, was a, that was a loose interpretation. That sounds like a Mo. Yeah, uh, interpretation, right? It, it, I, I was at UC for nine years, so I was hired in 2006, in August of 2006, to be the director of new media and broadcasting. And nobody knew what new media was in 2006, right? There wasn't right. nobody's was podcasting, right? Uh, nobody was putting highlights on right away. If the Reds hit a home run tonight, you could, and you're not at home. What do you do? You jump on Twitter, you see the home run, or if there's a big double play, it's right on your phone within minutes. Right. Nobody's doing any of that 13 years ago. Right. And at UC, we kind of had the vision that some of that was coming. You were streaming audio of sports games, but you weren't streaming video yet. You know, you couldn't watch a game, full video. And my boss kind of had the idea, look, this is what's next. So you should come be at UC. And I'm a play-by-play guy by trade. I realized at a very young age, I was a terrible, terrible okay. athlete, right? See, I was this is, I was going to get to this, goes, but I'm glad you right. brought it up now. That so I'm six years questions. old. I'm in first grade. And we have kids that age, right? Yeah. And uh, into sports and, and everything else. And I was into sports and loved sports. And I was a god-awful athlete. Like, and where are you from originally? Cleveland. Okay. So I live in Shaker Heights. Oh, God. And, Here we yeah, go. And, and I'm in first grade. And my best friend is Chris Taylor. And Chris Taylor is like the kid who, as we were friends throughout till he graduated high school, you know, he's yeah. good at everything he does. Yeah. Football, baseball, basketball, outstanding swimmer, swam at Arizona State, like great athlete. So I remember like I want to have Chris Taylor over. That's my buddy. So he comes over to my house. Uh, we're both in first grade. 
and he beats me 70 to 7 in front yard one on one football. Like, I'll never forget this day. <laughs> 70 to 7. How do you play one on one football? Well, you can chase like, each other around, yeah, yeah. and then you have first down markers and <laughs> punt you know, to each other. Yeah, and you yeah. punt to each other. I mean, obviously, I was the only one punting. And I swear to this day, and if Chris Taylor was sitting here with us, he would probably admit it. Like, the one touchdown I got was no question a sympathy touchdown. <laughs> like, he had somehow first first grade Chris Taylor felt bad for me and let me score because he was whooping my tail on my own front yard. It's hilarious. And so I knew at this early age, like, I'm not a very athletic person. Like, I was slow. I just, it just wasn't. But I love sports, and I had to be in sports. Yeah. So I ended up being a, a sports broadcaster. So where did you go to school? Syracuse. Oh, okay. Which is a big so, broadcast school. Yeah, huge. Yeah. But here's the big, here's the craziest part about your visits. You start going and, and visiting schools your junior year. So I go to American University. They have a good broadcast school. I go to look at Missouri. They have a good uh, broadcast school. I looked at Washington University in St. Louis just because we were going to Missouri. There's yep. no way I could have yep. ever gotten into WashU in St. Louis. Oh, and, really? But I want to, yeah, their academic standards are like way, oh, way higher okay. than anything I could have ever done. But I wanted to go to Syracuse. And I'd gone to sportscasters camp and all the stuff. I'd met some people from Syracuse. I wanted to go to Syracuse. So my parent, my mom took me up there. And it was maybe about mid-April, right? And we get there, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's like 70-some degrees. (laughs) All the girls are wearing tank tops and shorts, and they're playing Frisbee and hanging out on the quad. (laughs) And it is like the most pot of fool's gold you could ever imagine in a million years. Oh, yeah. I've been to Syracuse many times. Because it's never like that in Syracuse. It's That's like that serious. five days a year. Yeah. And at least during the academic year. So I'm like, this is heaven. Like, this is where I'm going to go. This is where the broadcasters go. I like the program. I like the school. I like what I'm seeing. I'm going to Syracuse. So I was all in on Syracuse. I got into Syracuse somehow, some way. That's where I went. My junior year at Syracuse, 195 inches of snow. Jeez, it's still the record for Syracuse, New York, 195 inches. Now, it was a great experience, and I'm very grateful to everything I did there. But it was like that maybe two dozen times in my four years as a student <laughs> where it was like 75 degrees and sunny and everybody's out in the quad having the time of their life. Yeah, and, the comedy yeah. club up there is at the um, the Giant Mall. Yeah, uh, uh, it's changed name names yeah. multiple times since I was there, but um, yes. And... I remember I was there in the winter. It was like just before Christmas and they had had a big snowfall and they were bringing like dump trucks of snow to the parking lot yeah. of that mall because it's like literally like the biggest mall in New York. And I think it's the biggest in America besides Mall of America, is right? It? Okay. Like Destiny yeah. USA Destiny or something? Destiny USA, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And um, and because a, a lot of Canada will come there too because mm-hmm. it's the closest place. And, uh, and it was like mountains of snow in this parking lot that I I was like, where did all this come from? And it never melts. Yeah. Because it's not like it gets warm enough. At least here we'll have a big snowstorm and it gets like 45 degrees. That was always say. It's like you would have big piles of snow in the Great Lakes Mall parking lot until like May. Right. But not as crazy as And that's why it never really bothered me, right? Going to Syracuse, having grown up in Cleveland. It's funny being here now. Like if I had to shovel two inches of snow, it's like. Oh, yeah. Boils my blood. Now that I've lived here for uh, 13 years or whatever, yeah. that, that you know, you're spoiled by not getting that same kind of snow that I grew up with or that I dealt with in, in Syracuse. But 195 inches is like crazy snow. Like there was a day we lived in a house and I lived with two other guys and we had three girls that lived below us. And we had a couple spots in the garage in the back. We had no food. We had to get to the grocery store. And there had been like 24 inches of snow in 24 hours. And so the three of us spent like three hours shoveling the snow and we were so tired. Like we didn't even want to go to the grocery store. I think we convinced one of the girls to drive us. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's a lot of snow to, to haul out of there. We never missed a day of school because of it. 
Syracuse is so organized. I mean, the worst part was living off campus, you'd walk out the front door and nothing shoveled. Now, once you get to campus, it's immaculate. You can get everywhere. So there may have been a day or two that I opened the front door and turned around and decided to go back upstairs rather than (laughs) trudge through the snow. But, uh, no, Syracuse was a great experience. Uh, I loved it despite the fool's gold when I visited as a junior. And then so after Syracuse, did you go back to Cleveland or did you come to Yeah, so Syracuse – so I mentioned uh, Sportscasters Camp of America, right? Uh, Some people have heard of it. Some have not. It's like uh, one of the nerdiest things ever, right? Oh, you're Uh, talking to a guy that just got back from Star Wars Celebration. Exactly, (laughs) right? So it's right up there. But it's, it's part like training and part fantasy camp. You know, it's, it's kind of like Red's Fantasy Camp for a lot of people. Yeah. Where there's people who just always wanted to be a sportscaster, and they might be 45 years old, they might be 65 years old. And their wife bought it for them for their birthday or their anniversary, and, and they sent them. And then there were kids like myself and Randy Policar who were 13 years old and wanted to be the next Bob Costas. So I'm literally watching, I uh, remember uh, Inside NBA or NBA Inside Stuff on NBC yeah. with a Shot. Yeah, Modershot. So I'm 12, 13 years old. I'll never and forget Summer watching Sanders. this. Yes, yeah, Summer Sanders and a Modershot. Uh. And they do this story on Sportscasters Camp of America, led by Roy Engelbrecht, who's a big boxing uh, promoter out in California. And I'm watching it. And again, I'm a terrible athlete. So, you know, I know I'm not going to be a professional basketball player or football player or anything like that. And I go, I see this and it's, I'm like, this is me. Like, I love to talk. My mom says the first two years of my life, she was worried that maybe I was like autistic or uh, I was slow because I didn't talk. And then she's like, you started and never stopped. <laughs> and and so I love to talk and I love sports. I was like, wow, like this is my place. Yeah. This is like I forget computer camp and astronaut camp and swimming camp and all the other camps your parents sign you up for. I want to go to Long Beach, California. And I live in Cleveland. So, you know, really convenient. Right. So I went to my mom. I said, mom, I found a camp I want to do. What's that? Sports catchers camp. Great. Where is it? California. And my mom and I, I'll never forget, flew out to Long Beach, California. I'm 13 years old. And we stayed in a hotel out there. And uh, I was roomed with this kid, Randy Pollockar from Issaquah, Washington. And never met Randy before. We're roommates. And we both want to be broadcasters. And literally, you would go in there and they'd have a big old ballroom set up. And they'd have professional sportscasters come in. Bob Costas spoke to the whole room. Bob Miller, legendary voice of LA Kings, yeah. spoke to the room. Chick Hearn. Legendary Man. voice of the LA Lakers spoke to the room. Brian Wheeler, voice of the Portland Trailblazers. Roy Firestone, who was on, yeah. and that was ESPN's like, yeah. that was the Tom Rinaldi of that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the interviewer he at made, that time. He made people cry. That right, was his yeah. Thing, right. Right. <laughs> so Roy Firestone spoke to the room, and they had all these other broadcasters come through. And then at night or later in the day, we'd go and do the the summer pro league. You know, NBA puts on their summer pro league. Yeah. It was at the Pyramid in Long Beach. So they would put us in vans and drive us over there. And little 13-year-old Randy Polokar and I would sit there with headsets on and into a cassette recorder, call a game. Do you still have them? So yeah, there's somewhere at my mom's. My mom doesn't throw on anything. So they're they're around and they're atrocious. Come on. But it, it, I would but love it's, to hear But this. It's, in, it's incredible, too, because you had this amazing experiences. And Brian Wheeler, the voice of the Portland Trailblazers, just sitting in between you taking notes. And at halftime, he would say, this is good, this is bad. And then you'd go do a uh, sports center-esque news desk assignment. You know, you do like a sports center segment. So we would do that and they would coach you through that. So every level of sports casting you would see at this camp. So I did that for a couple of years, went back for a few years. And then I went as a counselor for a few years. And while I was, and Randy and I became like best of buds while we were there. So I go to Syracuse. I do my games in Syracuse. I have a great experience. I graduate. I don't have a job. I'm, I'm living at home with my mom in Cleveland. And I was invited to come out to camp that summer, but I didn't really have money. So I didn't fly out there to work or anything like that because they'd usually pay you, but they wouldn't buy you plane tickets. So it kind of ends up being a wash. I was like, I don't know that I can swing that right now. So I didn't go. 
first day my phone rings and it's Randy. He's out there. Randy's like, hey, I met this guy. He worked at the University of Akron, Mike Waddell. I met this guy, Mike. He works at the University of Akron. He's my roommate here because you didn't come. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. He's like, yeah, but he just mentioned he needs a women's basketball play-by-play voice. And I said, what would you do? He goes, I got you a job. He goes, you have a meeting next Monday when he's back in town at his office. And I got, let me know, I get an email from his secretary. And, and you're in Cleveland. Yeah, I'm living right in Cleveland. Right. So I'm 45 minutes away. And I'm like, all right. Like, I've never met this guy before, Mike Waddell. And so Randy sets up this interview. I walk in with my cassette. You know, I probably put a tie on and walked in there and, and put it on his table. And we talked for half an hour, 45 minutes. He listened to my tape right there in front of me. He said, you're hired. $35 a game. That's all I got. <laughs> what? I said, I'm in. $35 so, a game. Let me let me back up for a second. So you said you called games at Syracuse. What all sports did you – I did a lot of women's basketball. Okay. I did a lot of radio shows because we had a student radio – we had a couple of student radio stations there. I was a sports director at Z89, which we had the rights to women's basketball games. And then at some point while I was there, I was friends with all the women's across players for a variety of different reasons. <laughs> I may or may not go into on the podcast. But um, I was uh, I was friends with, with all the women's across players and – they had just started the team when I was a freshman, and nobody was calling their games. And, and we're all young, aspiring sportscasters looking for reps. Yeah, it doesn't it's like matter what up you're on doing. Open mic nights. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Get in. Find. And I found an open mic. I went to the coach. I said, "Coach, wouldn't you want your games to be streamed or to be on the radio so parents can listen everywhere?" She's like, "Yeah. Why don't you go talk to so and so in the athletic department?" So I went to the athletic department. I said, "Here's the deal. We want to do the games. All right, you're in. What else do you need? I want to travel." I just like. All out, right? I want to go on the road, too, and do the road games. They're like, okay, done. We'll pay for it. And so we did the women's games, women's lacrosse, women's basketball. We did radio shows. But I did a ton of women's basketball. We did probably 50 women's basketball games in college and in the Big East. So good women's basketball. Notre Dame, UConn, you know, right at the front end of this incredible 20-some-year run they've had um, of success. And I was like, yeah, I want in. Like, I'll do whatever. So this Mike Waddell offered me a job for $35 a game to do really, really bad women's basketball, like rock bottom. They just fired their coach. They hired Kelly Kennedy to be their head coach. And I did their games for four years at the University of Akron. They won 17 games in four years. That will cut your teeth as a broadcaster when you call 17 wins. Yeah, because what is it, 40 games a year or something like that? Like 30-ish. So at 17 and 95 was her record. I was there for her entire tenure. But her second year – she hires Jeff Lanier as her assistant coach. So this guy comes in out of, uh, what's it called? Um, South Dakota State College of Science. In Aber- or, no, I'm sorry, North Dakota State College of Science. This is in Abercrombie, North Dakota. Maybe like an uh, hour south of the Canadian border. This is a JUCO in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. I expect this guy to come on with his cowboy hat and his slicker on. Like that's he used to wear that during games. What? Yeah, he coached in North Dakota at a JUCO. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> and like the tiebreaker in the like standings in this league. He sounds like he's dressed like yeah, a Yeah, he sheriff. was like the AD at some point. So this guy Jeff Lanier shows up, and they, and the, the coach he replaced had happened to be my roommate on the road. And I'm so I go and meet him. Nice enough guy, you know. We start traveling together and all this and. You know, we would hang out together up in Cleveland, go to the Winky Lizard, drink beers after games. And one time I'm sitting there with his wife, and his wife's like, hey, you don't have a girlfriend, right? Nope, sure don't. She's like, you should date Jeff's sister. I'm like, yo, Cowboy Jeff, that's what I want, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's not, no, I'm good. She's like, no, no, no. He, he, she's dating one of uh, Kenny, who's their older brother. Dating one of Kenny's friends now, but that's not going to last. 
So you should, I'm like, all right, well, where she live? Minneapolis? I'm like, you guys aren't helping me at all. She has yeah. a boyfriend and she lives in Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. Like, and her boyfriend is one of their siblings' buddies. Yeah. yeah. It's their oldest brother, Kenny's like one of his best, best friends. I'm like, this is, this is stupid. So I met Kenny that summer. We went to Indians Yankees game up at Cleveland. Kenny's great. Kenny goes back and tells his sister, you should probably marry this guy, Tommy. <laughs> She's like, thanks. Like, I'm dating your friend, by the way. And he lives in Cleveland. Well, she came in November to visit. The rest is history. Wow. No Who would have figured? Yeah. She so came in November knew, to visit. They, multiple, her family knew. So I met her mom, dad, both her brothers before I met her. That's insane. So, you know, you got to get in good with the family. Absolutely. Like, there was no, like, that meet mom and dad moment. Right. Because I already met them. Yeah. They loved me. Her brothers loved me. So and she goes to visit. How did they just know? Was it just some of your personality? I guess. Or? They were just like, you guys would be a good fit. And so it's just cr- <laughs> like you put all the puzzle pieces of the puzzle together. That was basically my speech at the wedding, right? Like, I end up at Sportscasters Camp. I meet Randy Pullicar, who meets Mike Waddell, who hires me at Akron and pays me nothing. Kelly Kennedy, the head coach, hires Jeff Lanier. Jeff Lanier comes. He's my roommate. His sister comes to visit. We start talking. Go to Lincoln Lizard. She's drunk. I leave my business card in her purse. <laughs> and she emailed me a couple days later. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I would like to see Minneapolis. I've never been there. I should come out. And, like, I'm traveling with women's basketball, so I'm pretty busy. Like, you have a game every weekend. Oh, my gosh. My wife, when I met her, she was the SID for women's yeah. basketball at Dayton. Right. So she was, like, she was on the road more than I was. But you know what? That... And maybe you can say the same thing for you guys, but I feel like that's why her and I worked out is because whenever I would date somebody, they'd be like, oh, it's cool. You're a comedian. And then they'd see what my schedule's like and they'd be like, they you're gone it, a right? lot. Yeah. And it was like she, Jenny, was the first person I dated that understood my lifestyle because mm-hmm. she was also going through it. So I bet I bet her having family yeah, in no the question. business, she could appreciate what it, what your schedule was like. Yeah, for sure. And I think now she appreciates me being gone sometimes. <laughs> some breathing room is always good too, right? Uh, that that I'm always always on the road. But back then, I mean, literally the only like time frame that I had open to go see her in Minneapolis for months was New Year's Eve. For whatever reason, we didn't have game for a few days. So like, we're emailing back and forth and I said, hey. What are you doing for New Year's Eve? A complete shot in the dark. We have never gone out and I'm not going to ask her out on New Year's Eve. This is yeah. a great idea. In Minneapolis. Yeah. And they were like, she's like, I don't really have plans. Why, are you going to come here? I was like, yeah. Sure, why not? Let's go out to dinner New Year's Eve. So I flew out there and my friend's like, what are you going to do, man? <laughs> like, what if this is horrific? Yeah, what if it goes horribly I was like, I don't know. Go find a Holiday Inn or something and find somewhere to sleep. Like, I don't know. I'll sleep on a couch and get on the next flight home. But fortunately, it didn't go awry, and here we are uh, now, 15 years later. So That's amazing. Right? So it's just all the pieces of the puzzle somehow come together, and God bless her, because then we moved to Akron. So I was living in Cleveland. I did one more year at Akron, and I convinced her to move to Cleveland and live with me in Cleveland. And did what Like what happened after Akron? Were you in between jobs, or did so you take something I else? was still working at Akron. I had like four jobs. Okay. Because that's the only way – I was freelance yeah, at Akron. So yeah. I think I got up to like $75 per terrible women's basketball game when I was there. And I was doing their pregame show for football. I did their men's soccer games. I did – I mean, I dug up my neighbor lady's backyard. I, I worked at a coffee shop from 530 to noon, Monday through Friday, because you do your survival mode, yeah. right? You do whatever you can to make some money and, and get through. So that's yeah. that's how we rolled. And I got her to move to Cleveland. 
So we got apartment together. We're living together. And literally like eight months after she moved, they're finally making friends and all, you know, normal, get used to being at her job, all this kind of stuff. And she, I'm like, hey, so the University of Cincinnati offered me a job. So I think we should move to Cincinnati. So she was like, all right, let's go. God bless her. And how'd that come up? Were you, were My you looking? My boss at Akron came to oh, Cincinnati. Gotcha. So he offered me a job, and then we started the new media broadcasting department in Cincinnati, which I ran for nine years and built into the small empire it is today. Yeah. I mean, it was for sure, like, cutting edge when I met you. Like, it was it was probably right around that time. It was like yeah, probably seven, yeah. eight, around the Moegger um, yeah. Uh, church festival tour, right? Yeah, somewhere. I thought maybe I had that shirt tucked away somewhere. Was, that was a was fun summer. For. I was just talking to Mark Shalafu about that yeah, summer. Yeah, yeah, Because uh, he was a producer at that time. That's there right. There was a summer, PF, I don't know if you know this, where um, Mo decided that uh, he wanted to hit every church festival in the city, which is a, a lot. That's a, that's a big undertaking. That's a big goal, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we made a shirt for it. Huh. And uh, we had invite people to join us at all the different festivals, and we hit up a lot of them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was a wild like ride. Every weekend, every weekend, like it was summer. maybe Friday and Saturday. Sometimes yeah. you had to fit in a Sunday to try to get to them all. But yeah, it was that time, and then I started traveling with football. You know, when I came on, yeah. my role was to build this new media department at UC, but also to do play by play. So I did men's soccer right okay, away. So that was a goal. Of, uh, so that was why. Yeah, you, like it was yeah. part of my position. Was, I, okay. Look, I can't make you full-time just to do play-by-play, so I need something else. To supplement, yeah, yeah, yeah. To supplement your income. But you had done soccer. I had done soccer at, at Akron. Akron. So I did soccer that first year at Cincinnati, and Omar Cummings yeah. was a senior. Yeah. And absolutely dominant, and then, of course, he comes back to finish his career at FC Cincinnati. Yeah, because maybe I just didn't put two and two together, but I feel like when I met you, I only understood the Go Bearcats side of it. And then at some point I realized you were doing sideline reporting for the football games. Right. Were those at the same time the whole time? Uh, the first year I didn't do sideline football. Okay. And then so that first year they eliminated the sideline reporter altogether. That was still Mark D'Antonio, and he didn't care. And then Brian <laughs> Kelly came in and was like, well, who's my sideline reporter? And they're like, well, we don't have one. And I got called up to the office. And, uh, I mean, again, one of those meetings, I'll never forget it. Mike Waddell's like, you're going to be our football sign reporter. I said, all right, cool. I'm in. You travel, you're going to do all the games. All right, no problem. I love, I love it. So I started backing off doing as much soccer and volleyball because I just couldn't manage it all. And I did football. He goes, but here's the catch. <laughs> of course, there's always a catch, right? He goes, you're losing the M and the Y on your name. I was like, what do you mean I'm losing them in a while? He's like, because I would go by Tommy Galera on the air. Yeah. He's like, you're going by Tom Galera on the air. And he had this printout of all the famous Toms in broadcasting, Tom Brenneman, of course, and then many others. And he goes, nobody goes by Tommy, so you're not going by Tommy. And I'm like 27 years old and about to be a yeah. Division One college football sideline reporter. Like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, go by Joe if that's what I need to do. Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't matter. So, formally, I mean, everybody calls me Tommy G casually, but formally on the air – I started going by Tom, and that just kind of, you know, rolled from there. But so then, like, building off of that, then, you know, Fox 19 had been carrying basketball games forever, and Fox Sports Ohio got those games. So then they hired me to do basketball and, like, one football game a year in Fox Sports Ohio. So I started to get more reps doing college basketball on TV, which is great. And then the ESPN coordinating producer who I've been wearing out forever, I mean, literally every year, would send him a DVD. 
And he would say he had a day, like every May, he would sit in a dark room and he'd put DVDs in and watch random people DVDs. And he didn't want like a demo. He wanted a full game. He's like, anybody can put together a demo. Right. You know what I mean? Like you could put together five minutes of your best jokes and I'm going to laugh the entire the time. time. It's why it's why a lot of these people, like comics who get started in L.A. or New York, they, uh, they'll they get like a Tonight Show or some like short set on a Netflix special and blow up. And then they can't sustain it because all they have is that five or seven minutes. Yeah. Like, that's all you got. And yeah. anybody can put together five minutes of their best play-by-play. And you're like, dang. Yeah. You you should be on CBS or you should be on Fox <laughs> or, like, you know, calling Sports the World Center. Cup this summer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And this guy's like, no, I want a full game. And I'm going to put it in on press fast forward blindly, press play, and that's where I'm going to pick you up. And if I like you, great. If not, you go in the trash and call me next year. Wow. And I sent this guy DVDs probably four straight years. And... My first, my older son was born, Sawyer was born in uh, September of 2011. And I'll never forget waking up. It was right around Halloween. So he's two months old, right? Yeah. And so you're getting up plenty in the middle of the night. Yep. And I get up. I look at my phone. It's like three in the morning. Email. Chris Farrell. Chris Farrell emailed me at one in the morning for. He needs somebody for a game November 12th. He's like, you in? Yes, sir, I am in, <laughs> right? Like, very easy reply yeah. to him. And it opened up a, you know, it was ESPN3 game or whatever it was called back then. I think ESPN3. Yeah. And that got one game, and then I started to get six games with ESPN. And so, you know, I could balance it and got a lot of broadcast opportunities. So it's like every little piece, you know. Yeah, of course. Fits somewhere, but wearing out Chris Farrell and sending. But he's not the type of guy that would give you a game just to give you a game. He, right. he means it. When he hires his talent, he finds the people he likes. If he doesn't like you, he has no problem telling you that. And that's how you had to break through. So either growing up or even when you were in college, like if you had a desire to do play-by-play, what what would have been your favorite sport that, to do? Probably football. Yeah. American football. Yeah. Like it – everywhere along the way, like people would ask me when I was doing a lot of basketball. Like I'd probably – there was a year I probably did 10 or 12 college basketball games. You know, I'd do 10 UC games or so between our Fox Sports package, between ESPN3, ESPNU, the Big East Network, and then I'd get one or two road games. You know, i go to Minnesota and do Minnesota Lehigh or something like that. So, you know, there was a point I was doing a lot of basketball, and then I'd fill in for Dan Horde occasionally too. Yeah. And on the radio side of things. So I was getting a fair number of basketball games. But when I was in the football booth, it was just like in my zone. Yeah. Like that was where it was at. And I would get one a year. Maybe one on radio filling in for Dan if he had a Bengals conflict. But I'd get one TV game a year. And A UC game? Yeah, usually okay. UC versus somebody terrible. I mean, the night Sawyer yeah. was born. Literally, September 3rd, 2011 was my one game of the year. And the doctor delivered both our children, Bruce Allen, his office literally used to be like across the street or something, like right around the corner from here. Yeah. I remember going there. And he, he he's a diehard Bearcats fan. Season ticket holder, great basketball seats, like huge Bearcats fan for the first time I met him. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know who you are. And he, like literally we'd be in appointments and you have children and have spent many of those OB appointments, right? Yeah. Where it's about the pregnancy, it's about. You know what I mean? How things are coming. He's like, so who's starting a quarterback Saturday? <laughs> my wife's like, I have a child growing in my belly. How about you inspect things here? Yeah. I will leave and the two of you can talk Bearcats all night for all I care. That's hilarious. And, I mean, this was often the case. So when, you know, we were pregnant with Sawyer and we knew it was he was due September 9th and the, the, the running conversation became any day but September 3rd. Yeah. Because that's my one TV game of the year. Like, I'd rather miss a trip to Tennessee – then missed my one game on Fox Sports Ohio. 
Yeah. And we went in on that Friday, September 2nd. Like we had a production meeting. And then I was like, guys, here's the backup plan if something moves tonight. But nothing's moving right now. And we went in. He was like, huh. After talking about like the lineup for 10, 15 minutes, you know, <laughs> he's like, all right, let's see where you're at. And he checked everything out. He was like, huh, give me a minute. And he left. He called Christ, came back. He's like, they're a little backed up right now, but I think you're going in tonight. <laughs> Swell. <laughs> Remember our conversation, Doc? Yeah. He's like, go home, call me in a couple hours. Great. Fortunately, I had moved. Her mom wasn't supposed to fly in for a few days. Her mom lives out in New York, so I had her mom flying in the 5th or the 6th. And, and Butch Jones, God love him, when I'd done his radio show that week, he's like, you're flying her in next week? He goes, no, get her here Friday. You're calling a game Saturday. You need her here Friday in case you need her here Friday. Right. So I went online, changed her ticket, whatever. So she's flying in. I go pick her up at CBG. I'm coming back across the bridge. And Marissa calls me and goes, I just talked to Dr. Allen. It's like 830 at night. I'm supposed to be on the air 7 o'clock the next day. She's like, I, we need to go to the hospital. I just talked to Dr. Allen. We're going in. So literally, like, didn't ever turn the car, pulled in the driveway, ran inside, grabbed my suit and tie just in case I can do the game. Grab our go bag. My mother-in-law is like, get a razor. Grab a razor so I can shave. And off we go to the hospital. Again, we spend like all night talking about the game, talking about the team. Every time he came in, that was our, what do you think about the running back? What do you think about him? like, yeah, baby here, man. Focus. He's like, can you call it a game tomorrow on no sleep? Sure. He said, then you're going to call the game tomorrow. God willing, 9.30 a.m., the baby was born. I stayed stuck around till probably about 3 o'clock. I called my intern on the way to the stadium. I said, just buy all the Red Bull you can find. <laughs> like, whatever you can find on your way in, buy like six of them and line them up in the booth for me. And I called a game at 7. Like, the whole floor watched the game on TV. We pummeled Austin P. 66 to 3 or something like that, so which gave us plenty of time in the fourth quarter to talk about, you know, and show, pic- show picture of Sawyer on the air and all that. And uh, How cool is that? Yeah, September 3rd, 2011. 9.30, so I was born, first born, and then called a game. I was back in the hospital by 11. Passed out in that uncomfortable chair slash oh, yeah. bed-type yeah, yeah. situation <laughs> that I'm there. still ha- still having back pains from, yeah. you know, yeah. seven and a half years later. So growing up in Cleveland, who are your guys? Joe Tate, Casey Coleman, yes. uh, Tommy Hamilton. All of them. Um, um, and I, I'm going to be a total to homer right now. Yeah, no, let's do it. Um, we have the best. I'm sorry. I love, we, I love being we, here in Cincinnati. I, I, I You know, I... I'm a Cincinnatian now. I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon, but I'm a Clevelander at heart, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Cleveland native, and, um, you know, I'm a diehard Browns fan, diehard Cavs fan, diehard Indians fan. Browns take the cake of all three. So, um, I mean, certainly Nev Chandler, you know, oh, star. Yeah, and, uh, um, and, yeah um, the late Nev Chandler. Like, I remember. And, Jim and, Mueller. And, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And obviously when I was very young, the Browns were very good. Like yeah. Bernie Kosar, like, gosh, shed tears if he walked in. John Elway walked in, I'll punch him in the face. Like, it's that easy, <laughs> right? right? Uh, that's just just because he broke my heart at six years of age. Yeah, yeah. And so the Browns played on national TV a lot, like primetime. So I couldn't stay up. Like, Sundays, I watched the games with my dad. That's just how it was. And we all had the old uh, radio alarm clock next to your bed. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, I figured out, all right, I'm not dummy. I don't know what channel the games are on. So I'm going to tune into games on my radio. And I remember, like, literally – I would. My parents would find me asleep with my ear next to the transistor radio. Same. You know, on a Sunday night or a Monday night. That's how it was with Marty and. Jim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. That I would fall, or I'd wait to hear somebody come up the stairs, and you turn it off yeah, and yeah. jump back in bed and pretend you're asleep, and then they go back downstairs and you fire it back up. 
And then you got to be careful in the morning because you know what happened and you're not supposed to know what happened and, you know, yeah, yeah. all of those kind of things. So, yeah, um, obviously Neb Chandler and then Casey Coleman, very influential. I mean, Joe Tate's as good uh, as they ever come. Oh, uh, man. I don't um, – I can't listen to Cavs games anymore. Yeah. I'm I mean, so spoiled. And, and, and John Michael does a great job now, but you're right. Like, yeah, it's not It's impossible to be the guy – like. I had this conversation with someone the other day. I think about a soccer coach, but it's the same thing. Like, you don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy. Yeah, yeah. You want to be the guy I mean, who replaces the guy who replaces I the like guy. I like Jimmy Donovan's done a good job. I know yeah, Casey he's been great. Lost, I don't know. Well, I guess Casey's health got in the yeah. way between when we were didn't have the team. And by the time they came back, I don't think he was... He wasn't healthy. Capable, yeah, you know, he wasn't capable of doing it. But Jimmy it. Donovan's been great, so yeah. that wasn't too bad. And but. Tom Hamilton's classic, right? Uh, like, I have a bobblehead, uh, Tom Hamilton bobblehead on my desk. Everybody listening right now, go to Facebook, subscribe to Tom Hamilton is the best home run call in baseball, and you will not be sorry. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's I'm having a, a bad day, I go there. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're right, you're right. And, uh, so no, good. I was lucky to have incredible role models like that. Yeah. And then, you know, in, in that same era to have a national role model like Bob Costas... Like, people are always are like, who was the guy, like, as a kid that you looked at? Yeah. And, like, Costas is that classic voice. Yeah. Um, my kids, they watch Quick Pitch on MLB Network every morning. Like, it's the yeah. greatest thing ever. Straight highlights. Yes. You know, yeah. you get no featuring oh, yeah. stuff. Sure. And, I mean, by the time I come downstairs or whatever, I get my coffee, they already can tell me all the scores and highlights. And they love yeah. it, right? So, That's they sit there. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, it's an incredible show. So, the TV is often on MLB Network when I've turned it on at 730, you know, my laptop, do some more work or whatever. And if, if Casas is on doing that national game of the week, like it just, I mean, it's like I'm six years old again watching NBC. It's just that, that incredible voice of baseball. Are you guys, oh, maybe, I'm a little older than you guys. Do you remember Mel Allen doing This Week in Baseball? Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Mel Allen. So I was on This Week this in week Baseball. in Baseball. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. I think it's on YouTube. I'll send you the link. It, uh, they, I, I think we put the segment, Randy Policar and I were on. So one of the years that we were campers at Sportscasters <laughs> I Camp. I watch that every week. This yeah, Week in Baseball. It was always too yeah. much right. behind. Yeah. Really so This Week in Baseball yeah. did a was, segment on Sportscasters Camp of America. And Randy and I were like the most enthusiastic young guys there, right? Like there was plenty of guys, 40, 50, 60 years old, who wanted to, um, you know, that was their fantasy week. Like, again, that was their anniversary gift, their birthday gift, their gift themselves, whatever you want to call it. Whereas Randy and I were the young, you know, broadcasters who were really, really into it. And they followed us that for like two days doing our sports can- sportscaster set, doing some basketball at the pyramid. And then we went to the Angels game. And back then, if you've been to the Big A in Anaheim, which mm-hmm. is now a beautiful park, it was the the L.A. Rams stadium um, and, the, and the Angels. So they had a football press box like way out in left field that didn't get used for baseball games. So here we are sitting out in left field with our tape recorder again and a headset calling games. And they followed us, and it was a feature. I mean, I remember being in my grandparents' house two weeks later. Yeah, yeah. And the whole family's <laughs> there on a Sunday or whatever day of the week it aired. And we watched this week in baseball. And, and Randy it's on Pulicano. YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. If you can get us the link, we'll I'll put it on the blog yeah, for this yeah, episode. I should be able to find See, it. So. You'll appreciate this real quick. Um, the reason I'm wearing this sweatshirt is Big because blues. Of Dan Kelly. Yeah, I've been to St. Louis twice for an hour in the airport. But I am a massive St. Louis Blues fan because of Dan Kelly. I can dig that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm He's the, fantastic. The Barons and... left. I'm flipping around the dial tonight. My dad lived in Pittsburgh. Right. Mike, the great Mike Lang calling Penguins games. Mm-hmm. They're on KQV. I can't pick up KQV in Mm-mm. Cleveland. 5,000 watts. Forget it. Flip around the dial. Dan Kelly's calling the Blues. Done. All I'm in. Fan. Yeah, yep. that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's uh, The guy they got now sounds just like him. But it's, it's great. Funny. Like, it's 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 amazing how, like, a voice like that can 
transform your childhood. And, um, you know, it's, it's an art of storytelling. Yeah. And it's a, it's a pretty beautiful thing. Well, I've, uh, man, we're rolling right along. We, I, we <laughs> haven't even started FC Cincinnati talking. Oh, but right. before, before we get to that and before we get to fourth yeah. floor creative, which is like, I mean, I can't even tell you how big of a fan I am of what you guys are doing. You just say that because we put Dean in like every No, no, so before that, <laughs> I was, you know, like, we'll talk about that in a minute, about the fourth floor, because uh, it really is amazing stuff. But I want to ask your opinion, like, as someone who got there was, um, oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, the coach before D'Antonio. Um, Oh, Rick Menner. Rick Menner. Were you there at all no, when he was there? No, I was there for D'Antonio's last season. So Rick Menner is kind of credited with like really getting the football program. Yeah, I mean he moving forward, right? And D'Antonio just took it to like another right. level. But Rick Menner like set the cover. I think he kind of right? stabilized it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it depends on how you look at it, right? Uh, there were guys that D'Antonio coached who did very well who were recruited by Rick Menner, right? So there's definitely some credit to Rick Menner. Um, Rick Menner's teams were very average and mediocre for 10 years. Yeah. And that's, he wasn't terrible. He made an average bowl game two or three times. And he wasn't great. And he ended up losing his job. But he ended up recruiting some good players who the cupboard wasn't there when D'Antonio showed up. And Mark D'Antonio is a great coach. Yeah. And that's proven by the fact that he left in 2006. He's been at Michigan State ever since. He's had some incredible teams at Michigan State. He's a great person um, and, and a great coach. And then you get the flip side of that. You know, he coaches for three years. I'm there for his third and final year. Okay, and so then, that's when you came yeah, on board. So and then I was, yeah, Brian and then, I, then you have Brian Kelly come in, who's like completely different personality. You know, Mark is is so conservative. We're going to be safe with the ball. We're going to run. And Brian's trick play central. Yeah. Like He's that. like me playing Madden. Yeah, 100%. It's like fourth, fourth and 30. I'm up by, you know, three with yeah, 10 You're going to run a reverse and let your wide receiver line. throw yeah. it. Yeah, it's right? Hail Mary. Right, from, <laughs> the, from the wide receiver. Like, uh and, and that was part of my routine as silent reporter was to go to one of the coaches. I'd usually go to the offensive coordinator and the special teams coach mm-hmm. and ask what the trick plays were in the book. Not because we're, I'm going to report on them, obviously, before they run, but so that when they run, I can explain why it worked or mm-hmm. why they thought it was going to work. And they would give me really good data. You know, there was surprise onside kicks that I knew were coming. And was, you know, I could give Dan a heads up and say, hey, Dan, it's it, you don't say anything, but be ready. Don't. This isn't going to be an ordinary kickoff. This isn't going to be an ordinary punt. <laughs> and then, I, then he could come down to me, and I can explain why they knew they could get away with it if it worked, which most of the time it did. Um, you know, they won most of their games. How cool is that? And but that was like an intense. Huh. Like you talk about, you know, the experiences that help you grow. <laughs> you know, doing women's basketball, seventeen and ninety-five. Like that helps you grow <laughs> and appreciate yeah. wins. Um, being Brian Kelly's sideline reporter, someone who's wired, and, and Brian, you know, very, very good to me. I wouldn't, I'll tell Brian Kelly's story in a second. But but he, he was always very good to me, but he also yelled at me on the air a couple times. Really? Like, and like, we're losing to West Virginia. The first time he had trailed as the coach at UC, and I asked him what adjustments are you going to make. He goes, what adjustments are you going to make? <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to make any adjustments. And he went in the dressing room and made adjustments. But, you know, like, um, it, he was just wound so tight. Like, he asked me one time at Syracuse, where defense was terrible, offense was great. We were winning probably by 15, like 35 to 20 at the half, but the defense had been horrific. And he asked me if I was even watching the game. I asked him a question. Are you even watching the game? And he, he like, waited for a response. Uh, y- yes, yes, coach, I am. Well, blah, 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 blah. You know, then when it – so halftime, it became a joke that my running <laughs> question to him then became – I think it was after the Syracuse game. It was just, uh, coach, your thoughts on the first half? Like, I'm not asking a question because he hates my questions. That's hilarious. So, 
And, and you know, if you watch, and it's still the day, it's the same guys. There's sheriffs, you know, Hamilton County sheriffs walk coach off the field. I mean, they're by side the whole time for a variety of different reasons. And so I became friends with those guys. And one of them, Lee Edwards, who's still with Hamilton County, he he would look at me like if there was a fumble in like the last 60 seconds of the half, he would just start giggling and like point at me and be like, you have no chance. Yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're down 6 nothing, I think, at Miami one year in a battle for the victory bell in like a horrific game in Oxford. And we threw it at pick or fumble late, you know, something something ridiculous. And I was like, Coach, your thoughts on the first half? He's like, my thoughts? I was like, oh, God. Well, now my go-to question is no good. But – so Big East right there. So they're playing Syracuse. I've always been curious, like, what is that like, you know, working for the University of Cincinnati who's beating your alma mater? Yeah. Like, do you like when you're on the sideline, do you have a dog in the fight? Of, you do. You know? It's your paycheck. Really? Yeah, 100%. And my Syracuse friends hate me for that comment mm-hmm. and hated me the entire time the Big East, you know, existed with Cincinnati and Syracuse in my yeah. relationship because we would play often. We played football every yeah. year. We played basketball, basketball. once or twice. Uh, we had that incredible big Monday game at Fifth Third Arena. Uh, and then, of course, beat Syracuse in the semifinals at Madison Square Garden to go to the finals of the Big East Championship. I think it was 2012. That game we hit like 14 three-pointers. And I got all my friends like, this, you must be miserable. I'm like, miserable? This is great. We're playing for a Big East championship tomorrow. They thought I was like, like just burn your diploma. <laughs> you know, you're you're a traitor. And I'm like, no, I get a paycheck from the University of Cincinnati. Yeah. And you have a vested interest. Yeah. I have a vested interest. It's good for me for the University of Cincinnati to do well. Sorry. I love Syracuse. I hope you win all the rest of your games. But today. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. You see needs a win. And there may be people who don't believe in that. Dan Horde would agree with me on that sentiment. And we both love Syracuse and are grateful for the experiences we had there. But in the end, you're getting a paycheck from a place. Yeah, I get it. So Brian, I'm telling my Brian Kelly. I don't think I've ever told this story on our podcast, but I don't know um, any Brian Kelly stories. But I was a huge, like I was a huge fan of him as as a fan. Like I loved what he was doing, and I loved that he was getting. You know, he was had Cincinnati football talked about nationally and. And so my dad passed away and we were going to, I was setting up a golf outing to raise money for the American mm-hmm. Cancer Society. And I went and got a bunch of sports memorabilia to have as a silent, silent auction at the event. And one of the pieces that he had was this, it was when they played Louisville at night. And I think it was like a whiteout or something. Yeah, um, I can't remember. It was like, a, they were like the top two teams and it was going to be a huge game at night and the stadium was sold out and someone had taken an aerial shot. And so um, it was just a frame photo. And I asked the guy, I said, um, you know, could I take this out of the frame and get it signed by Brian Kelly and bring it back here? And he said, well, it'll be easier for me to just print one for you. And then after you get it signed, I'll frame it. And I said, okay. So I asked Mo, who was doing the coaches show Mm -hmm. at the Montgomery Inn. I said, "Um, would he sign? Like, if I came to the show, do you think he'd sign this afterwards? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll introduce you to him. So I go to pick up the picture from from the printer. And there's a stack of probably 40 pictures. There's like 20 of the stadium shot. And then there's probably 20 of Brian Kelly by himself, like on the sidelines. And I said, uh, I was like, what are all these for? And he goes, he goes, uh, take the one and get it signed. He was like, any of the other ones that you can get signed, I will donate $50 for each one to your golf. And I said, 
okay. And, and so I felt kind of weird about it, but I took the envelope with me and I told Brian after the show, Mo introduced me and I said, you know, um, I said, this is for my dad's golf outing. He just passed away from cancer and it's for the American Cancer Society. And I don't know if his wife had already gone through her thing at that yeah, point. I, think I believe probably she, had. she had. Yeah. So, um, and I said, I would just like for you to sign this one. I said, the guy told me that he would donate, you know, X amount of dollars for any others that you signed. So if you want to sign a couple more, he signed every he single, single one. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was rough. like, from that day on, I was like a mm-hmm. huge fan. And I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Yeah. So it was very bittersweet for me to see him go to Notre Dame. But, uh, you know, for all the things people said about him leaving here and stuff like that, you know, my my interactions with yeah. him, he's always been just like so nice. I was a huge no, fan. No, big, big, big heart. Um, you know, people see him screaming at people on the sideline, right? Right. They don't see, they don't see that side of Brian Kelly. Right. And uh, he doesn't want the attention for that side of Brian Kelly, but he has a huge foundation um, that donates money to a lot of different places, and, yeah. and certainly a good a good dude. Okay, so put a bow on that. Now right. let's get <laughs> let's get to the modern day stuff. So, yeah. what came first, first floor or FC? Huh. Quietly, they were starting simultaneously. Okay, but I didn't know about FC Cincinnati. So after nine years at UC, I was just ready for a different challenge. I needed something different in my life. I don't want to be an AD. I didn't want to be an AD. And was that the path you were on, you thought? I, I, no, I don't think I was on that path, but I also like to move up within the athletic department. That's the path you end up on in some ways, right? Or to, or you're, why? Because you're blocked on the play-by-play side? Well, by it, the, I, the and I was losing some play-by-play opportunities because I worked at UC. My old friend Chris Farrell caught like some schools complained if I got a UC, uh, who do I want to throw under the bus? Rutgers game? Yeah. Rutgers is a good team. Throw under the bus. Uh, Rutgers had me taken off a game on ESPNU. Like, that's a huge paycheck to lose. Why? Now, why is that? Because they thought I wouldn't call because I was a full-time employee oh, at the university. I get what you're saying. They thought I couldn't call the game fairly for ESPNU. You know who I want more work with? Chris Farrell at ESPN. Yeah. So I'm going to call the game as much down the middle as humanly possible, if not more towards Rutgers, so there's no favoritism towards UC. Sure. Well, I know UC really well. Yeah. But I'm also going to know Rutgers really well because I You do a good job. Up. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. my job. And they had me take it. Like, I'll never forget getting that call that night. Like, the producer gave me a heads up. He's like, Pharaoh's going to call you any minute. You're off the game. It's like on a Sunday night for a Tuesday game. And I was like, what do you mean I'm off the game? I've worked so hard to get here. He's like, you're off. Because Rutgers doesn't want you on the game. And then he dumped all my Big East games the rest of the year. That sounds like such a New like Jersey thing. Such a <laughs> like your heart just sinks, right? I can't imagine. And I mean, forget the money at the time, like the experience, all the work you put in to get those opportunities, and like you blow up with ESPN. Psh, that's it, game over. And it was game over at the opposite end of the spectrum that yeah. night. So whatever, you know, I'd lost a couple more. VCU had me taken off a game. And I was just like, I, I'm over this. Like, I, I was frustrated by losing games because I was at UC, and I just needed a different challenge. And you weren't getting enough that you could leave UC yeah, to exactly. just take Because I was losing yeah. my extra games because of my role at UC. And at one point, I was honestly ready just to give up all the broadcasting. I called my friend Adam Amin, who's huge on ESPN. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know. I, big I met Adam. Adam's a great, him, great I, dude. I met him, yeah. Great broadcaster. And he's been a friend, mentor, colleague, whatever you want to call it. One of the best young broadcasters in the country. And I called him one night to be like, I'm done, man. I'm walking away. He didn't answer the phone. So we never had that conversation. <laughs> and 
I decided I was going to leave UC and start Fourth Floor Creative. Instead, I was just going to start a video production company and whatever broadcasting I could get, I would get. So in January 2015, I, I decided to start the company very quietly. Nobody at UC knew. You know, I needed to set everything up. And I went around and met with business owners in town. You know, you work at UC, you meet all the donors, you get to know people. And I, I sat there with David Weiler for an hour and a half. I sat there with Larry Shakely for a couple hours. I sat there with Steve Boymel. And I sat there with other friends who own businesses of every size and shape, right? Whether it's a landscaping business or Weiler, you know, which is a huge, huge car dealership. Yeah. And um, I well, talked. Larry Shakely is a brilliant. Well, and Larry Shakely, yeah, Shakely owns one of the biggest yeah. HR companies in town, too, you know, yeah. and Steve Boymel owns uh, nursing homes all across the region. So, I mean, these are guys uh, that have private jets, right? Like, yeah. that's the type of businesses they're running. And, but I asked everybody, you know, um, for, for advice. And every single person was like, you should do it. 100% you should start a business. But they give me advice. They would, you know, I asked some of them for money. They all said no. <laughs> and I eventually ended up calling my friend uh, Brett Hansbauer, who was the Bearcats team photographer for a long time. Um, he's now FC Cincinnati's team photographer. He has only ever really worked for himself. He worked at his parents' McDonald's when he was 10, 12 years old in the drive-thru. And, but he's never had a boss beside his parents. And he started his photography business when he was 17 years old. And now he owns a property management company as well, owns 200-plus apartments around Cincinnati. And so I called him for advice. And we went and sat at B-Dubs for three, three hours, showed him my budget, showed him everything. At the end of the conversation, he said, I want in. I said, what do you mean you want in? I didn't come here for your money. He's like, how much do you want? I'm in. <clears throat> I convinced him to buy in the company for the last piece of money I needed to get started by just asking him questions and telling him about what I was trying to do. I didn't go in thinking he wanted any piece of my business. And he did. So he owns a part of the business. Um, you know, has been an incredible partner for me, Fourth Floor Creative. So we started it in uh, April 16th of 2015. It's my birthday. So I took my birthday off. I was still at UC. I had resigned, but I had like three weeks left. So I took the day off, did all the legal paperwork that day. So Fourth Floor Creative's birthday is the same as my birthday. That's fun. And um, yeah, so we go out to celebrate every year, um, all of the above. And uh, we started doing video production. And, you know, you start you start begging and finding who your friends are. And see who can who you can work with. I worked at UC for nine years. May fifth was my last day at UC. You know who I met with on May sixth? UC Xavier. Oh. <laughs> Literally, that's my meeting. Brian Hicks and I went to uh, Gordos Love right, Brian right Hicks. by camp, right by campus. Yeah, great guy. We have an incredible relationship. They're our second biggest client. While all this is going on, <clears throat> I get a call, and uh, somebody calls me and is like, "Hey, there's going to be this soccer team." Oh. Really? Soccer's worked out really well in this city. Yeah, right? Great. He's like, no, I'm yeah. telling you, you should do some work with him. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I just started a business. I don't want to go bankrupt. And I've heard horror stories about every one of those teams that have come through Cincinnati and not worked out or not paid their players or not had money or whatever it might be. And he's like, are you going to shut up and let me tell you who the owner is? Sure. Pete Rose is going to own another team. Like, yeah. humor me. Right? Yeah. Like, who's it going to be? <laughs> And he was like, Carl Linder. And it was just like silent. I said, huh, how do I get in touch? And he said, I don't know. I'm just giving you the heads up. So I was like, all right, I got to find out about the soccer team, right? It's funny you say that, though, because the perception is different when you find out who's behind it. 100%. Because that's why we got on board before their first game was because, you know, I played soccer growing up. I've always been a soccer fan. And... I've wanted to see soccer succeed here, whether it was the Silverbacks or whatever, you know, yeah, anybody. the the Knight or the Kings. Uh, and mm -hmm. I was like, 
when I saw those other teams, it's like they're playing on Saturday mornings at a high school field, you know, the River right. Hawks or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, uh, you're just like, man, this doesn't feel like pro soccer, even though it's mm-hmm. pro soccer. And then you're like, okay, hold on. So they got Jeff Birding running it. Carl mm-hmm. Linder's the owner. They're sponsored by Toyota and they're playing on the field at, at UC in the league right below the MLS. Oh, yeah. And I go, this might actually take off. Right. And that was the same thought, right? And then within a week or two of that conversation, two people I worked with at UC, Jeff Smith, who's the VP of tickets, and Dan McNally, who's VP of operations. Love Dan. You know, of all the changes they've had since then, and now in four years, really, since these conversations happened, those two have been the steady pros. Yep. And I was friends with both of them from UC, and they both called me within like 48 hours of each other. And we're like, hey, we need you. You just started a video company. We need, what's it called? Oh, yeah? Okay, great. I need you to come meet with some folks. And so I met with a guy who was helping out, helping them with their marketing to start. And uh, we used to meet at Oakley at coffee shops. That's That was their office. They'd have a table like this, and I'd go in. They'd all be sitting around it. And I'd pull a laptop open, and we'd figure out a way to make videos. And then I got a call from Jeff Smith, and he was like, you got to be at Birding's house at 730 tonight. He wants to meet you. Okay, I'll be there. Give me his address. So I go to his house. He's not there. Because <laughs> like, he's still working for the Bengals full time. Yeah. And nobody knows about the soccer team. So he hasn't resigned from the Bengals yet. So he's working 12-hour days at the Bengals and then comes tearing up the driveway, you know, 15 minutes after we are supposed to meet or whatever. And there's a handful of people there waiting to meet with him. And he comes in and we go sit at his kitchen table, plan this bad boy out. It's and, incredible. And four years later, here we are. Like, it's wild. It's, it's wild. It's, from literally at his table was sitting here opening I opened my laptop and showed him the video he was like that's that's really good that's gonna work let's make a few tweaks but that's that's gonna work that's gonna be our announcement video and you fast forward to, to May 29th of last year and the uh, the Major League Soccer announcement down mm-hmm. at Rheingeist mm-hmm. and and being able to you know be a part of that and and leading up to that and obviously all the chaos of when it was gonna be and, and, and all you know uh putting the dates on our calendar and holding dates, and then finally May 29th today. It, um, amidst all of that, I kept asking, are we going to have to do a video for, uh, for the announcement? Nope. No video. Nope. It's, it's, this is MLS's event. Major League Soccer runs a show, which is true, but they don't need anything. You know, We'll do a recap afterwards. We'll do behind the scenes like we do all the epic behind the scenes, but you don't have to do anything for the event. All right, cool. We'll, just, we'll, we'll plan to be there. So the Monday before, eight days before I get a call, about 6 p.m., I met my kids' baseball practice. And I get a call from a VP of communications and she's like, Tommy, uh, we, MLS needs a video for the event. All right. Well, the event's next Tuesday, right? We can get that together. Um, yeah, they want to see a draft by Wednesday 5, meaning like less than 48 hours. Okay, cool. So my guys <laughs> put in the most, you know, Herculean effort you've ever seen to get this video. Like literally everybody knew their role. We had a ton of new guys. We just changed some positions in office. So of my four video guys, three of them had been hired in like the previous six weeks. Two of them had been hired within like two weeks. And they they put this incredible video together. And we showed it to Major League Soccer on Wednesday. They're like, yeah, that's great. I'm like, we got a few tweaks we want to make, but it's really close. Thursday, uh, Brett, myself, and Brennan, who edited the video, go to Carl's office because he's going to sign a formal agreement for Major League Soccer. And there's literally six people in the room for that in his conference room. And Jeff Birding's one, the attorney's another, Carl, obviously, and the three of us to get photos and video behind the scene. So when Jeff comes in, I'm like, hey, have you seen the video yet that we did for the event? 
He said, no, not yet. And I said, um, well, do you want to see it? He's like, yes, but let's wait for Carl. So Carl comes in within a couple minutes, and I open the laptop there, and I'm literally standing between these two, Carl on one side and Jeff on the other, and I hit play. And they stood there with tears streaming down their face. All the work, all the money, all the resources, everything they put into that for three and a half years. And we're making the two of them cry, which is like mission accomplished, right? Wow. If we could do a video, we could give you goosebumps, or we can make you cry. We've done our job. Yeah. And if we can make the owner and the president cry, I think we've done our job. Yeah. And I mean, it was one of the best videos we've ever done. Uh, we put it up for an Emmy. We'll find out in a couple of weeks if that gets gets nominated. And, um, you know, it's uh, that's that's the most rewarding part is like seeing the team come together like that. Yeah. And being there in that moment to, to, to see Carl sign the paperwork and knowing like, like Jeff Birding, the years he lost off his life in the last four years, <laughs> like that guy has worked tirelessly. Yeah. On everything. Yep. On player personnel, on you know, on on front office, on stadium, on everything, and this has been the passion of his life. Yeah, and, and PR to the biggest yeah. degree because he's everything. kind of the face. He is, know? and it's been uh, it's been incredible to work alongside him from the, that time. You know, at his dining room table, kitchen table, uh, fast forwarding to to doing the matches today. Yeah. So it's 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 pretty remarkable, and it's a it's just a it's just an amazing story for the city. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's transformed our company. You know, like yeah. when we kind of thought like this is this could really take off. You know, I had reached out to FC, and um, I couldn't get anybody on the phone. You know, to try to just tell them what my my thought was that we could mm-hmm. do for them. I think you texted me at one point, and we're like, "Who do I try to get a hold of?" <laughs> Probably. And so we ended up buying season tickets thinking that, you know, if we could go to them as season mm-hmm. ticket holders, then maybe somebody would call us back. And so we talked to Ryan and we kind of told him what we wanted to do. And then, uh, and then he said, well, let's, let me bring Dan down to your store, um, and check it out. So they came down and then Darren and I went to lunch with, with the two of them at Eli's and Finley Market. There you go. And, Perfect. uh, and they hadn't even played a game. You know, this was a couple yeah. months out from their first game. And I was like, you know, obviously you guys are going to sell jerseys and scarves. And I said, we would like to be the people who can come up with shirts if something happens in a game, you know, and mm-hmm. and just make some other alternative fan gear than to what right. you guys are doing, sort of complement their success. Like them not realizing how quickly they would be successful ended up being huge for us because they weren't prepared right. for 100%. the demand of product oh. and they couldn't get it fast enough to supply it. So that first or second home game when people were like, you know, it's sold out in their team store, they're like, Cincy Shirts has stuff and we're the only one that has yeah, stuff. You know, running them off as fast as possible. There is know. nobody else that had called asking for, you know, the ability mm-hmm. to do that. And so we became kind of the second go-to place for yeah. for their gear. I mean, I feel like you guys probably could have made a year's worth of income just on Jimmy McLaughlin and Andrew, Andrew Wiedemann shirts, probably. We probably did. I mean, those guys were amazing to work right? with. I mean, they and then you know, and Mitch, uh, yeah. you know, he was. They were all. They were stopping in our store, you know. And I think that that was a big part of it too. Is you know, you had. You had these players who had never experienced the excitement around yeah. them, at, you know, not just the team. So they were like into it. And so they were showing up to our store to see their face on the mm-hmm. shirt. And, you know, without all the parameters that MLS has, who has have been fantastic to work with for a company like us. Th- at that time, 
the team could make every decision regarding apparel. So we were able to just throw so yeah. many things against the wall just in hope that something stuck. And, uh, and you know, the team going to bat for us to help us get that that carried with them to the next level. Have I told you the Mitch Says No t-shirt story about after the Chicago Fire game? I don't think so. So, obviously, everybody knows the Chicago Fire game. Yeah. Epic. Mitch makes three saves. It's yeah. uh, an incredible night, right, in the 2017 Open Cup run. Yeah. So, I was on vacation that week. So was I. Right. So, I flew back. That's to right. To call the game. I remember we um, had this conversation online because yeah. I was in Florida and I had to miss it. And everyone right. is sleeping in the apartment or like yeah, the condo. And, screaming and, and I am losing my mind. So obviously it all goes down. Uh, I'm on the next flight out the next morning to get back to wherever we were on vacation, you know, to get, get out to uh, Long Island to, to meet up with my family. And I'm in the terminal at CVG. And like I get up the next morning, like I, I didn't come home with any clothes, like because I'm going back to my house for a night, calling a match, and then leaving. Yeah. So I'm like getting dressed. I'm like, look, I should probably wear Mitch says no today, right? Like mm-hmm. that makes sense. He just had this incredible game. So I grab my shirt from you guys that says Mitch says no, and I throw it on, and I go to the airport. All right, no big deal. Get my cup of coffee and walk through the terminal. And who's walking right towards me? The entire Chicago Fire team. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> here comes Tommy G. Let me make sure uh, you guys see what I got on here. You know what I mean? That's true. And Ouch. it's uh, and I'm like, hmm. So like, definitely some of them saw it, you know. And like Bastian Schweinsteiger sitting right there. The head coach is there. So I go to get a pack of gum or something in the store, and one of their players is checking out right in front of me, and he turns around and is Janino. The player, the yeah. last one to shoot. Yeah. And he just looks at my shirt and just shakes his head. And, like, if I had, like, slightly larger stones, I would have, like, grabbed my phone and taken it, like, can I get a selfie and seen if he punched me <laughs> with my Mitch Says No shirt on. Um, I didn't and, know that story. That's yeah, so great. So we're at CVG, and the entire Chicago Fire team sees me wearing my Mitch Says No shirt <laughs> on my flight back to re- rejoin my, my family on vacation. But you're right. It's I mean, you, you think about the way it's it's transformed transformed businesses like yours, uh, like sure. yours and mine, right? Both it of let ours. us it let us open this location. Yeah. So we were just happy in OTR. Right. We were just experiencing our first full year there, and then we thought we need to, you know, we need to keep this momentum going. So that's why we decided to look for an, another space that was actually a double space where we could have. Uh, printing and shipping on one side Mm -hmm. and then uh, retail on the other. And so that's how we ended up in Hyde Park. And then Fiona was born. Yeah. And she transcended us to another level. I mean, it was just like two years back to back. That So you've slept a lot is what you're saying. (laughs) When I can. Right. That's why I go on the road. Yeah, no doubt. Between the, I had a great night of sleep in Orlando the other night. Let me tell you, everyone's like, you're going to bed at 10? I said, yep. (laughs) Better believe it. I went out, had some dinner, had a drink or two with the crew, and they're like, well, let's go to the next bar. I said, you all can do whatever you want. This is my chance to sleep without somebody poking at me or waking me up at 6. So I'm going to go get a restful night of sleep. So for the future, like you've kind of positioned yourself on – have so many – Touch points on the team between the yeah. video and the broadcasting. When when you found out that they were going to MLS or even even when they were USL, like did you did you have to really study up a lot on that sort of worldwide soccer vernacular versus just bit. like how we 
call soccer games here, like maybe when you were at Akron? Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a it's a mix, I think, right? Um, I think, I mean, and, and God bless the excuse me availability of information in Major League Soccer because uh-huh. it's so easy to prepare for games now. You know, yeah. when you look up players and USL, I'm digging to find something about Johnny Four-String Goalkeeper who might be starting. Um, just oh, so right. I can tell right. you something because, you know, three people got hurt. So the yeah. guy they signed off of the uh, rec league team is starting and I'm trying to figure out where he's even from right. or how tall he is or anything. But from from a, you know, a vernacular standpoint, you know, it's interesting. And I have this conversation with a lot of people um, and, you know, it, it doesn't knock any of the English or, uh, you know, Irish or any other voices that are calling the, the game in this country. It's like John Champion's the lead voice for ESPN and he's fantastic. He's a true gentleman. He's a great commentator. I truly believe to grow the game in America, you need American voices telling the story. I agree. You I need John agree. Strong telling the story. Fox has made John Strong the lead announcer for Fox. He called the World Cup last year from Russia. And I thought it was an incredibly smart move by Fox to put John Strong and Stu Holden on there because it was two American voices calling the game. And right. it's not a knock against Orlo White or John Champion or anybody else because they're all fantastic. But if you really want to grow the sport and you want people to turn it on and pay attention, you need more knowledgeable Americans. And that pool is limited right now, right? Yeah. But more and more getting a hold of it and learning. I feel like he's great. Like, he's great for the sport. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, embracing social media and, you know, I turn on, I listen to him, like, his analysis and stuff, and I feel like I could see him being that sort of conduit to the casual fan yeah. into like and that's high the level soccer. Right. right? Do you yeah. Because that? the hardcore fans are going to the games. They're coming here spending hundreds of dollars. They're going to games. We're not recruiting them. We're not selling tickets to the folks who sit in the Bailey. Right. First of all, they're none available. Right. Second of all, you know, that's not who we need to buy tickets. We want all the soccer moms that you see on Saturday and all the millennials who are thinking about it. And everybody else in town who is like the casual fan to figure out this is the event you need to be at. Yeah. And these are the colors you need to wear and the shirts you need to wear and the scarves you need to hold up high and figure it out. And so you need knowledgeable people to explain the story and tell the story so that you feel that attachment. Yeah. The the hardcores feel the attachment. They're going to, they're going to dump their whole paycheck on gear and tickets and everything else. Well, I feel like. And I don't know if it, I, I would say it's MLS specifically, but FC Cincinnati particular, that they've done a very good job of embracing like, you know, what maybe a lot of people in the city would think are controversial topics of like, you know, gay pride and things of that mm-hmm. nature. I feel like they've been at the forefront of 100%. being a very welcoming organization and going out of their way to say like, we don't tolerate this Correct. type of stuff here. And yeah, you had a welcome. handful of guys playing for Pride last year. There's a couple. I know Spencer and Jimmy, last I saw the list, were already on the list to donate money uh, to playing for Pride last year. I matched everything that, that the guys you know donated. Um, so, you know, I think it's uh, it's, it's it's for everybody. That's that's the theme right now is soccer for all. Right. Right? And, right. and I think that's the beauty of it. And one of the things we learned, we did these supporter stories about a year and a half ago. And we had 60-some supporters, and we sent it to the whole season ticket holder base. So you got the email, and thousands of other people got the email. And you, all you had to do was pick a time slot. But there's only 60 time slots. And it was really an eye-opening experience for me because I'm not down in the stadium every game, right? I'm in a booth. I'm calling the action, and I'm so wrapped up 
in my job. Right. That I, I don't see the fan base as what it is, I guess. Yeah. And they came in and it was every walk of life. It was a very wealthy season ticket holder and his suit took a break from his corporate job. And it was, you know, uh, young kids who are scraping by to pay for their tickets. And it is, you know, a, a father-son combo who go to games whose son has real big social anxiety issues, right? Like major social anxiety issues. He told us he hates crowds. But there's nowhere he'd rather be than Nippert Stadium. That this is the first place he's ever felt comfortable in a crowd. Wow. Like I'm sitting there and there's a 17-year-old kid who's like, I hate being around people. <laughs> Loves being with 30,000 people at Nippert Stadium. Like that because they've embraced him. Yeah. And that's made him open up. It's the Hispanic family who now has these heroes in town to look up for, up to in Emmanuel Ledesma and Alan Cruz and yeah. Kendall Waston and these guys, right? Like I, I, I interviewed his family, Eduardo Luna, and he brought his kid and his kid sat on his lap and his kid's chanting the whole time we're doing the interview. And it's just, it's incredible. And they sit at midfield kind of between the benches. So I can actually like see – like, I could see their section from our vantage point, and I'm often looking in that direction because that's where subs happen and everything else. Yeah. And they all have Emmanuel Ledesma jerseys now. Huh. And, like, that's incredible. Like, they have this Hispanic hero playing for FC Cincinnati. Yeah. And it's truly soccer for all, for every walk of life. And it for two hours, it brings everybody together. Yes. And that's freaking awesome. You know, and I think that, the way that the success of the team has, you know, affected the perception of the city, you know, uh-huh. um, hearing the MLS commissioner or Taylor Twellman or, or the coach from um, Crystal Palace, you know, yeah. say, I've, I've never seen an environment like this for soccer in the United it's States. It's amazing. We were on BBC News for crying out loud. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and now they got a U.S. men's national team game coming here. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Um, I'm going to be on vacation. I'll be there. Um, they're putting down a grass field for one yeah. game. <laughs> I'll be setting is, up a time lapse for that. Which is hilarious. <laughs> there's a there's a soccer coming into its own, you know, for as long as it's taken has made me very happy. But it also was very um, – it came at a time where it felt like our other two professional sports teams were at pretty low, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So sure. to have success, like not just something new and fun, you know, that you always see when there's a new, like whatever team in town, but to have something that with the staying power and be successful, I think was really yeah. the big key. Right? I would agree. hundred percent. It's, uh, it, it, the staying power that, you know, it, the haters, they were there from, from day one, April, 2016. Oh, 14,000. That's cute. It's yeah. a home opener. You gave away free tickets, which was inaccurate. Yeah, it was also freezing and rainy. It was rainy. 38 yeah. degrees and rainy. <laughs> yeah. And there were 14,000 people out there having the time of their life. Yeah. And then next week it's sunny and Louisville City is here and there's 17,000. Yeah. And then two weeks later there's 13,000 in the pouring rain and Jeff Birding is livid. And I'm like, Jeff, what's wrong? He's like, we're only going to have 13,000. I was like, Jeff, you're going to have 13,000 people for, rain, for, for USL soccer in the pouring rain. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And then it just builds, and then the Crystal Palace thirty five thousand, and the Open Cup run, and yeah, and now it's twenty five, twenty six every night. And there are there are major league soccer teams who would kill for twenty thousand a night. Yeah, and I remember last year there was a Saturday night. It was nice weather. Uh, you know, it wasn't too hot, it wasn't too cold, and the 
FC outdrew the Reds. Yeah. And I was like, I never would have thought that that would have happened this soon. No, but it's reflective of the movement. It really is. It's so cool. Was there, what, do you have a, I mean, there's obviously, we talked about a bunch of them. Was there like a real aha moment for you of like, this is, this is not going anywhere for a long time? Um, I mean, I think the Crystal Palace game. And there's 35,000 awesome. people there. And, I mean, Cincinnatians, I love you, but you're late for games. Like, that's just how you are. It doesn't. It's not exclusive to anybody. Like, they're late for Bengals games or late for Reds games or late for UC games and Xavier games. Like, that's yeah. just how Cincinnatians are. They're not in the gate in time. It, when I worked at UC for nine years, it was like, how do we get them? Like, maybe print the tickets a half an hour earlier. Like, <laughs> that's your best bet. Yeah. But once they figure it out, they're not going to come. Like, because that's just how it is. You're going to drink your beer. You're going to wander in, in the middle of the first quarter of a football game. And Kevin and I did the intro – you know, right at the start. And then the way our setup was, we'd step down to where we called the match from. And we stepped down, and I tapped Kevin. I said, you see this? He's like, yeah, it's incredible. I go, no, everybody's here. Like, the match hasn't started. They're walking out of the pitch, and every seat was packed. Yeah. That and was I was incredible like, night. hoo-ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. It is incredible. Um, all right. This has been one of our longest episodes. Yes, I think so. I told you. Um, I started talking to two. No, I, I told you. I was like, we have to get you on because I, I just know it. we're going to keep talking. So, Fourth Floor Creative. Yeah. If if people haven't – they don't realize that they've seen your stuff. There's a, probably a lot of people yeah, who probably. don't realize yeah, that sure. you did this. And that's another thing I love. And I say this about companies like Barking Fish and like, like what you guys do – that I feel like was lacking in the city for so long. Lightborn's another one mm-hmm. where I see something and I go, I am so proud to say that that was made in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. That was made for by sure. a Cincinnati company because I feel like, you know, as someone, you know, in the comedy slash entertainment business, there's, I've, there's always been this sort of uh, stigma that, like, if you want to do cool stuff, you got to be in New York or L.A. Right. So I love when I see, like, creative stuff like this coming out. And you guys do it better than maybe anybody. Like, these uh, the videos sure. in the stadium and the stuff that you put out for the team. What uh, some of you, you do some college football stuff, too? Yeah, we do a lot. We do. We work with the University of Georgia. We do football, men's Georgia, basketball, women's it. basketball. We work with UConn, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, ice hockey. We work with Xavier here. We do... Volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball. We do some of their TV commercials, other assets. So you're right. You, know, you might be at a Xavier game and you see their intro video and you're like, dang, that's good. No idea that we made it. Yeah. Um, we do NKU stuff. Yeah. Uh, we did women's basketball for UC this last year. We have Akron, uh, the American Athletic Conference. We do a lot for. So there's a lot of people around the country that we're doing stuff. And then we're doing some corporate stuff for people too. And sometimes that's public. Sometimes it's not. You know, we've done training videos for companies, uh, you know, stuff that are HR training videos yeah. that they show when they hire a new employee. But we can never show that to anybody. We can't even put it on our website. We can't even put their logo on our website. <laughs> right. But we create a cool video for them. Yeah. We're in the cool video business. Well, how can people uh, check out, like, yeah, the, the stuff that 4th Floor Creative does? The website's your best way, uh, 4thfloorcreative.com with the number 4th. Um, and then uh, our Vimeo page, too, has everything the latest. I try to keep the website updated with with stuff, but, you know, we're on uh, Instagram. We put out behind the scenes, and that's where you can really see, uh, you know, if you check out our Instagram page, if you look up 4th Floor Creative, um, and on Twitter, we put up, we try to put behind the scenes stuff because that will give you a little tease of what's coming. 
we shoot with FC Cincinnati, we show a little tease, and then yeah. two months later, you're going to see the product of said tease. Same thing, we shot with the Dallas Wings yesterday, or I don't even know what day of the week it is. Uh, Monday, we shot with the Dallas Wings, so there's some behind the scenes up there. So, you know, we, we put stuff up there, we try to interact, with it, just like you guys. Uh, same difference, you know what I mean? You, you show guys a, a tour of the of the stock room, or you're back there eating pizza or cupcakes yeah. or whatever, but it yeah. gives people... It, it, it shows them the personal side of your business, right? 100%. So, so social media and our website certainly the best way to do it. Well, the MLS video, um, like the announcement video, and in particular, the video that you that they're playing uh, in the stadium before the game yeah. starts is like, I mean, I get amped when that good. video That's comes the idea. On. Mission accomplished. I mean, Did it's our job. so good. I can't implore people enough. Like, check out their stuff. Sure. And if uh, if they're the right fit for you, reach out to them because I mean I you, you really do some really cool work, man. Appreciate it. And um, and how can people follow Tommy G? Tom uh, Tom G. Tommy G on <laughs> Twitter. Tommy underscore G. The other one is like a Tommy G without the underscore is a betting guy. I think. Uh, like a, like <laughs> it he's sounds a like a betting guy. Yeah, he's like a, yeah, yeah, you can find money. He has I like tip he has Tommy tens G. of thousands of more followers than me. I think. And and, and every once in a while our wires get crossed and. Um, there's also, I guess, a fourth floor creative in England, a production company oh, that really? does like stuff for Sony and, and whatnot. So we'll get, we're like, really enjoyed you guys doing our uh, music video today in in London, and I'm like, hmm, cool. Uh, I'll send you, I'll send you an invoice and see if we can get paid on that. Um, but they, uh, yeah, on Twitter, Tommy underscore G. I was able to secure that somewhere along the ways. Uh, on on Instagram, O three G's, the letter O, yep. number three G and an S. So very easy on Instagram. O3Gs and, uh, and you're yeah, a great social. follow. I I'm try not to, just saying that because I try I'm to keep friend. one. No, no, no. I appreciate it. I try to keep people. You know, again, it's a glimpse behind the curtain. Yep. Everybody loves that, and it doesn't yep. matter if that's uh, a professional athlete. Yeah. Or it's you and I. Yep. If it's Cincy shirts or Fourth Floor Creative or FC Cincinnati, like everyone loves that behind the scenes. It's it's why a show like, uh, um, uh, shoot, what's the HBO show called? Shows hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. It's yeah. why Hard Knocks is so popular. Like I'll watch Hard Knocks of the New York Jets. Because it's a it, it, it's a peek yeah. behind the curtain. It's great. Um, so uh, social media is a great way to do that. Whether that's Instagram or Twitter, it, it just it, it puts you in touch with people, and I love that. Where is uh, what's next for this team? We got a new coach. New coach. We got probably a new, another another one coming here at some point. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, it's just to continue to build. Uh, obviously, this team has had so much success. They're going to continue to have success. Uh, you know, there'll be a transfer window opening up in July, so there'll probably be some new faces at that point. I would imagine with a with a new general manager and a coach coming online, and um, it'll you know they're going to continue to grow and then move towards twenty twenty one in the stadium. So I'm excited about all that. Yeah, I think it's great that uh, you know the big complaint about a lot of the professional organizations around here is that they wait too long to make necessary changes, yeah. and I feel like. That's another thing that FC has been great about is like, look, we, we don't want to wait to win. Like if we feel like a change needs to be made, we're going to make it. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I love everything that they're doing over there. Yeah, so. it's great. I agree. So congrats to you. Thank you. Friend. Thank you for having me. It's uh, awesome. Thank you for Keep being here. Follow work. him. Coupon follow code. Fourth for Creative. We need a coupon code from you. Pick a word and it's going to save people money. 20% oh, for the next week. Wow. 20% for the next, next week. We'll do make cool stuff. Make okay. Cool stuff. There you got go. it. PF will put that in with and without spaces. 
Okay, whatever okay. makes more sense. If that's too complicated, I just do it all one word. Yeah, okay. one word. Yeah. Make right. cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Make cool stuff. Make cool yeah. stuff. We go with make cool something else, but we'll do stuff for your coupon code. Okay. <laughs> that will uh, save you 20% online Love and it. in store until the next episode comes out. So thanks again, buddy. Guys, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Tom Gilliter. You can hear Tom in action mostly during FCOA games broadcast locally on Channel 64, and all games are carried on the radio on WDJO, and that's at 99.5 FM, 107.9 FM, and 1480 AM, so you can check it out at any of those locations. And if you haven't already, please go check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archive. Lots of great episodes back there. Matt Bischoff from Survivor, Gold Star CEO Roger David, Bill Donabedian, the guy that founded the Bunbury Music Festival and also still uh, helps to book that. And that was just in town, and uh, I ran into Bill at the uh, festival as well, and uh, we exchange, exchange pleasantries, as they say. Uh, Greg Hamilton from WWE was on, John Keyswetter talking about WKRP. Amy Yazbeck, the actress who was, uh, she's from Blue Ash. She's the uh, widow of John Ritter and, of course, was in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, the TV series Wings, amongst other things. So uh, go back and check all of those out, uh, if you please. And if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, info at cincyshirts.com, of course, and put podcast guest in the subject line and tell us who you'd like us to have on the show. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state in some way. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of different teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, all that kind of fun stuff. Kind of like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this week's episode is MAKECOOLSTUFF. That's all one word, Make cool stuff. Use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com order or OldSchoolShirts.com order, or you can use that uh, in the stores, our Cincy Shirt stores, at uh, OTR, Hyde Park, and Loveland. Just say, to make cool stuff, and uh, they'll give you 20% off. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a review uh, wherever you get the podcast from, and as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.